This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Are you a man who experiences heavy flow during your cycle? I can't feel you. How are your pads holding up? Are your current pads one step closer to the edge? Don't you fear. Lincoln Park's Chester Bennington is here. You can f-ing meet me outside and I'll punch <laughs> you in your f-ing mouth. Heavy maxi pads for dudes. So heavy. They can absorb the most hectic of flows. When I have communists in the funhouse, social media takes the brunt of my rage. Not anymore. Now that Lincoln Park acknowledged men have periods too, I started knitting beanies for my bald friends. Or that guy can suck my dick. Heavy pads. So heavy. Don't go crawling in your skin when your time of the month occurs. In the end, no blood on your jeans is all that really matters. You're a pussy. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spych. Howdy, y'all. Howdy, y'all. I don't know why I just started off like that. What's going on? It's Metal Sucks Podcast back again. I'm one of the hosts, Brandon Hahn. I'm always joined by the other host, Petter Spych. Howdy, y'all. Howdy, y'all. Howdy, y'all. How's that feel? It feels, felt good, feels man. very American to be like, howdy, y'all. It does, man. Howdy, I y'all. Do. Yeah. So anyways. I just want to kick a brown person out of their house. Howdy, y'all. Jesus, man. That's, that's American. <laughs> it's not American. That's what they did to the Native Americans. <laughs> oh, we're going back. We're going way back. We're going way back. We're going way back. Well, I mean, really not that far. I mean, gentrification's taking place in New York, too. So, I mean, that's that's also happening. So you want This is how you want to start the show. Hey. Okay, we're interviewing guy. Big interview. Awesome interview. Braun Dollar from obviously Mastodon, but we're going to talk primarily of his uh, side project he did, uh, Arcadia, with uh, members of Withered. Um, the new record does come out this Friday, the June 16th, guys, so definitely check it out. We'll be playing two songs off that record. Really cool, trippy record. I uh, like it very much, but uh, yeah, we'll get to that interview. First, we're going to do the news. You want to say anything else really strange and uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, about gentrification in New York since you haven't been there? <laughs> Howdy, y'all. Yeah. You want to make any more comments about yeah. Mississippi, Please, maybe? Why not? Or hey. Some other place you don't visit frequently? No, no, I don't want to go to Mississippi. You want, you want, you want to talk some shit about Canada? Yeah, no, of course I don't want to talk shit about Canada. They're great over there. All right, yeah. Keep it on your social media, buddy. What? Nothing. All right. The news stories, guys. Let's jump into the news stories before we get to this interview with uh, Braun, which I did solo, by the way. So you let me know how I did. I bet there's a bunch of excellence in there. Oh, I'm sure there is. I am sure there is. So there's no awkward moments with you, though. That's yeah. good. It's good. We, we flow pretty good. So. Hello, st- <laughs> Hello, stupid. Oh, you can, you can play the clip if you found it. Hello, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, this week in the news, guys, before we get to the interview, um, my favorite story of the week, Suicidal Tendencies, a band that uh, truly... Is it really your favorite story? It's of almost- the week. It's almost like okay. A, it's my second favorite story. Well, I'm of the just week. saying it's kind of a. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily. It's, it's more, a sad story. Yeah, it paints a bleak picture. No, man. I gotta tell you, like, uh, it kind of does in a way. But like, uh, cops. Let me just say the story. Suicide. They got a show uh, stopped by cops in Los Angeles, which has okay. happened many times. So it's because their suic- fans are so intense oh, out so there. So suicidal tendencies played in Los Angeles. Yes. Oh, there you go. And the cops showed up. Yes. So suicidal tendencies played in Los Angeles. Yes. Should I say it's slower? So no, you can I get got the joke. You. Okay. So, uh, but uh, yeah. So the cops stopped the show again, and uh, it's not the first time. Definitely in, in L.A., but their fans are so rabid. I love it 
when when same with Slayer fans in LA, but like I love it when like metal fans get so rowdy that cops have to come. Is that bad? That I like that? No, I think it. I, I think feel it, it's like the genre. Like it, it's good to have the, these moments where it's like uh, it adds to the mystique. Yeah, it, it, you know, cause there, there's something about music. See, this is, I was actually having this conversation with somebody earlier, and I go. You know, after the 90s and, you know, 2000, you know, like after When that, metal was gen- gentrified yeah, through yeah, those years. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Oh, wow, really? You really reached for that. <laughs> I did. You really reached for it that. It wasn't even good. Didn't even make sense at all. All right? Good. So anyways, though, like, but my point is, is where, where do you go from there? Like, I remember the shock and awe, like, when moshing was taking place in the 80s and then the 90s, you know, it, it, that's pretty much when it became well-known that was going on in metal shows. And then, obviously, you know... Suicidal tendencies and the, and the violence that happens at their shows. And I everything. think that's the word we're looking for is like that uh, pandemonium that we saw in a lot of shows growing up that like we had those moments of fear, like what's going on? This yeah. band is going to play. But, yeah. But my thing is, though, is now parents are bringing their kids to experience that before parents were like, whoa, you're not going to that show. That's dangerous. Well, now, though, the. When they were kids back in those days, they're growing up. They got their own kids, and they're bringing their five-year-olds to Slayer and suicidal tendencies and stuff like that. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? So it's like, so the fear, so the fear and the edge, you know, over the years, it's the just- edge, kind of, that's the word. Yeah. The so edge. the fear and the edge of metal, of music in general, really. Mm-hmm. In general. It's yeah. just kind of like, I, where do you go from there? How? Where do you go to shock? Well, you can't shock when everything is an outrage these days. Exactly. Everything's constantly an outrage, and there's a million people, or not a million, but there's people just complaining about everything. Oh, there's people, a million? Yeah, probably a million. People complain about, like, phrases that people say now. Yeah. I mean, that's how much time they have in their day. So it's like the shock and awe of, like, uh, you know, a mosh pit or a stage dive or anything crazy like that is... Um, I mean, when you're there, though, like you said, it, oh, it, it'll there, draw you in, and you're like, oh, this is... I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this crowd and this scene, but, like... Yeah, as far as like selling it on shock and all, like I think it might have been in the '90s and early '80s. I think that's gone. Well, there was something about wearing a suicidal tendencies T-shirt that made people go. I don't know. There was like back in those I had, days. I had a basketball jersey that I got. I got a su- suicidal. Oh, did you? Yeah, Remember yeah. that? And yeah, I, yeah. I would go play at the park, and I'd have my suicidal basketball jersey, and yeah. people would be like, "Oh, this guy might punt." You know, they yeah. had this like they they judged me on my suicidal jersey right. instead of wearing like Lakers or something. And I remember thinking, like, man, that's that's crazy. But that was part of the mystique, and I, I think part of the edge that you wanted to feel by putting on a suicidal tendencies shirt or bandana. There was something yeah. about there. There was something about that that added to the marketing appeal to metal. You yeah. know, like to, to the fact that like we're doing something that your parents don't want you to be doing. And now parents are bringing their kids to those shows. And now it's almost like a family affair. A mosh pit is like a family thing now. Well, I, I mean, it is. But I don't think there's a lot of like, dude, there used to be mosh pits at everything. But now, I mean, the more well, now, 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 now with the lawsuits seems, and everything. Yeah. Now, now they'll put a security guard right in the middle of the crowd to keep people from moshing. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's rare and rare that the mosh pit shows are uh, happening mm-hmm. with the older bands. I mean, suicidal just still goes off. Though, oh, man. suicidal still so goes, yeah. still goes off. Terror, terror goes off. Terror, terror is actually, Slayer. goes off. Slayer. Slayer. Yeah. Behemoth, Lamb of God. Lamb of God still goes off. Oh, yeah. You know, but yeah. I mean, like a lot of the thrash bands don't. Mm-hmm. The the anthrax the Meta- I haven't been to a Metallica show but I imagine there's probably That's not a sad pit there because the first time I ever heard the term mosh is from anthrax yeah do the the last few anthrax shows I mean I'm not saying that's where it originated I don't know we'd have to go we'd have right. to do a let's do a timeline we, when the word mosh fi- originated find out. Some, somebody can hit us up in the comments and say the word mosh it's yeah probably, it's so easy to do but anyways the uh, I do remember the last two 
Three anthrax shows. There was no mosh pit. Remember mm-hmm. what we complained about on the show? Yeah. They played cotton and mosh and there was a pit. Yeah, there was, <laughs> like, no, there was pit. no pit. Yeah, Pete and I looked behind. We were up front and, and we're like, we looked right, behind us. Nothing, we're like, uh, nothing guys, really? Yeah, they're playing nothing? cotton and mosh. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's not caught in a take a sip from your drink. You know I know. What I mean? It's, it's like, not caught in a don't spill this guy's $15 beer. Yeah, yeah no which shit. Which is, uh, now we all respect, oh, that guy's got beers in yeah. the center. We can't hit him. Dude, yeah. yeah that's how it is. And it's yeah. funny because it's like, there was something about, again, there was something about the blatant middle finger that was up about metal. And now when somebody's got a blatant middle finger up at a metal show, you're just like, fuck this guy. You know what I mean? Like you just spilled my $15 beer, cocksucker. You know what I mean? Like now you're pissed. True, man. True. I mean, the anger. It's just uh, the evolution of it. I'm just saying, where do you go from there? Where do you go from there? And a lot of the younger bands that, you know, they're playing the smaller bar club type venues. It's, it's like the pit will happen, and I've seen it, but it's, it's, it's because of the way the venues are set up, like the chaos that I remember in these smaller venues, it doesn't happen, Mm-mm. you know? Um, and, I mean, a lot of shows, I mean, you still have a pit. Pre- they're prepared for it, though. The chaos isn't there, dude. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Security in the venue is prepared for that. Dude, you know they're how many venues have been it. closed down because of lawsuits, because of shows, yes. like in punk rock and metal, through the whole, like, think about, yeah. like, through the years. Like, I mean, and, and I, I know a lot of uh, listeners are like, oh, I love that venue, I love that venue. I guarantee you it's because there was a lawsuit, mm-hmm. man. Because it's so hard to be insured when you have a band like... You know, even a hardcore band, let's say like Terror playing somewhere or something like that. Oh, so Terror now, did one of the, I mean, that was one of the most awesome shows I've ever seen. Terror. Yeah. I mean, we saw them with Suicidal Tendencies. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, and madness. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say uh, Suicidal Tendencies was blown off the stage. I'm not going to say Terror was like better, mm-hmm. but it was like, Trash Talk was there too, which is another band that has a, a big head. Yeah, oh, and those yeah. guys are insane. They're insane, yeah. So it was just but, an all around chaotic show. That's yeah. insane, yeah. It was just, oh, it I was loved it. Just, yeah. I, I will tell you this, though. It was so cool watching Tara because he just goes, uh, there's this huge, because it was at the House of Blues, Las Vegas, and he's up on stage, and there's a barrier between the stage and the, the crowd. Stage and the crowd the, where there's actually a, the stage, and then there's like this space, then there's a barrier. Yeah. So there's like a space for the uh, security. security. And the guy just goes, everybody rush this fucking stage. And then, I mean, dude, it was like World War Z. Just kids were just climbing over the top. One guy managed to climb up on on another guy and jump off his shoulders, jump over security and got on stage and then just just jumped right back into the crowd like five seconds later. And that's the edge I love. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, when you go to a show like Suicidal, that's yeah. So I wonder, like, obviously we weren't out here in this L.A. show, but I wonder if it was like, really tame but now cops just don't fuck around anymore and people just stop the okay, show or i wonder if it was like really that kind of insanity i will say is it tame because no matter what suicidal show you go to it's never going to be tame it's never tame yeah. is it tame by suicidal's standards? standpoint yeah. is it tame by a 90s suicidal show yeah. or, or an or yeah, late yeah. 80s one yeah that's the whole point so anyways also in that same article uh we stayed on that for a while <laughs> hey. it's okay man i love talking suicidal tendencies i want to they're just fantastic. But anyways, uh, World Gone Maddie did say might be their final album, See, that's man. the sad part I was that's talking about. That's the sad about. part, yeah. That's the sad part because I, I like World Gone Oh, it's Gone great. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Lombardo is on this record, as many mm-hmm. all you guys know, if you don't have it. Dude, I... I love 13, the one before that, but World Gone Man was re- World Gone Man was really like it just had that art of rebellion feel. It had that like lights camera. It was just great, dude. It was mm-hmm. a great record. So I definitely feel he's got another one in him. You know, oh, I'm sure he's got another one in him. But at but this maybe point- it's too costly for him, dude. Because I mean, he is uh, you know, they are. On- their own, they're running their own show. It's been a DIY thing for suicidal tendencies since the late 90s or early 2000s, you know. So maybe it's too costly to put out these records for him. I don't know. It might be too costly or you know what? I, here's the thing. How old is the guy now? 
Oh, I don't know, dude. He's he's got to be up there, fifties, sixties, fifties. I would say fifties. Yeah. You know what I mean? And after a while, I mean, it's like, look, he's already made his money. He's already made his mark on the world. He's already inspired countless bands. I mean, Suicidal Tendencies is like a cornerstone band for me, anyway. For for everybody in thick yeah. and metal, the punk hardcore like crossover, yeah. Like Suicidal's kind of the metal crossover band Dude. that got a lot of people. Like War going. Inside My Head, that's a fucking. I, yeah. I, I remember, you know. Anyway, though, it's just one of those things where it's it's sad. What to album see- number is enough? Not to talk over you, but like if if a band puts out ten records, is it like hey? Fans. I don't think there's what album numbers. I enough? don't think there ever is enough. I think if you are the type, well, shit, Alice Cooper put is putting out another record. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's got what 27? 20 oh, Damn. I'm telling you right no, now. No, I like, believe you. It's like twenty six or twenty seven albums. Yeah, like studio fucking albums. Okay. Yeah. Granted, he's been doing it since like seventies. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but yeah. still, that's a lot. And I don't think. And I think if you're just constantly, uh, you know, just on it. I think if you're just constantly just available to just make material, if this is what you do, if this is what you love to create, there's never a cap. There's never a cap. Now, granted, some of these, not every album is going to be great. Like, if you're putting out an album every three years, mm-hmm. then, yeah, eventually it's going to be watered down compared to your earlier stuff. But if you're going to be putting out, I don't know, like, just the whole word of, you know, how much is enough, that's, that's up to the artist. I yeah. mean, like, if you... I mean, let's face it, I, there are, when it comes to creating and stuff like that, there can be a certain level of stress that goes along with it. And on top of that, too, he might just be saying that. And then when he does go, all right, suicidal's done, then maybe a year or two later, he's like, you know what? Fuck, I want to do suicidal again. Yeah. And you can see that. Well, he can. Too. I mean, suicidal can tour forever. Right. You know, and, and I hope they do. But I, I am. I think a lot of us are still really into the, the new material. You know, that's all. So I, I hope he keeps putting out records. Uh, moving forward, talking about records that may or may not come out. Zach Wilde, he got the, uh, he he did say how he got the Aussie gig. You know, he's touring with them summer. It's just because Gus G wasn't available. So, doesn't necessarily mean the next Aussie record won't be with Gus G on guitar. It might, you know, he might come back to do the record. What do you think about that? Uh, do you I think, think Zach Wilde just got the gig? I think, I think if Aussie. You know, there's a guy right there where it's like, you know, you talk about just constantly putting out material and stuff. I mean, the guy can barely walk, yet he's still yeah. writing music, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's got a different work ethic. Yeah. He, he, he gets it. Right. I mean, he cares about his fans by that nature. I always, I always feel a band that like, hey, we'll give you something new, all, even if it doesn't benefit us. You know, we're going to always put out material for you guys, even, you know, for the diehards or whatever like that. I always feel like those are the bands that I, 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 I relate to more. I do think that... Than like, for example, The Tools, who are still one of the best live shows I've ever seen, but like, they put out four records in a 30-year right. span. You know, it's like, to me, I'm like, eh, I don't think yeah. the fans are that... I mean, how long is it? It's going to be, what, 12 years? In 2018. In 2018, yeah. yeah. Like, that, I'm just saying, like, so... For for me, like a guy like Ozzy, he gets it. Yeah, a guy like Alex Cooper, he gets it. A guy like Lemmy, got it. They yeah. all came from a certain area where they're like, hey, every two years, we got to give them something. Right, Yeah. right. But my thing is, though, is when it comes to the Gus G and Zach Wilde discussion, I think you would go with Zach Wilde. Because he's touring? Because he's touring, mm-hmm. but 
And on top of that, it would also make a great marketing decision. There is nothing better that an artist can do for the fans that bring up nostalgia, you know? Mm. And that way, when you bring out Zach Wild, you could play, you could go into that catalog. You could play some more cuts off Osmosis, which, by the way, to me. You always bring up Osmosis. I love that album. I know. I fucking love it. I'm not saying saying it's better (laughs) than Diary of a Madman. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's like, I fucking love that album. I love Zach Wild on that album. I love it. You know? And No More Tears, too. I mean, it's like, I love that album. Yep. You know, it's like the guy, Zach Wilde's just got this completely unique. I'm not saying Gus G isn't flat out fucking amazing. I'm not saying he's not unique either, but you know, there's something about Zach playing. There's those no songs. nostalgia to Gus G. Yes. With an Aussie record. Exactly. There is a lot with Zach. Yes. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many times you've seen Ozzy, but like, oh, I saw, we saw him together yes. with Gus G. Which Gus and G. And he killed. Mm-hmm. But like, I still, in my memory bank, is always Zach on the, with that well, bullseye guitar. I mean, I mean yeah, for yeah. My, my generation, because I didn't, I didn't see him back in the 80s. No, no, you know? I, I, yeah, didn't, I saw yeah. him in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. When we, yeah, when you and I were in our teens, that was, you know, that, that was osmosis. That was probably why you like it so yeah, much. Yeah. Because yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's definitely one of the, I, I mean, weaker. Records, but I mean, like Perry Mason, we've talked about Dude, that song. Is song, so good. that song, fucking destroys. <laughs> fucking it makes love up. Perry it makes Mason, up. Yeah. For, it makes up for all the tracks that aren't like great. Uh, you know what I mean? But dude, Perry Mason, that fucking song, that is a masterpiece song. Yeah, that yeah. is a masterpiece, and it doesn't get any credit. <laughs> no, I mean, it's no more it's, tears is another great song too. That's an excellent. But that Ozzy gets song. credit. He plays it all, still. He okay. played it with Gus G. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so it's up to the artist to keep the songs alive. There's a lot of great songs by a lot of great bands that it's just like, hey, the set list just can't fit that song because mm-hmm. we got a new record to promote. And well, then, you know, they got to play other stuff. And then as time progresses, that's the one thing that I think would be so hard for me if I was in a band is like when to retire an album, you know? Like when to be like, all right, we're not doing that anymore. Like, you know, we're talking to, to Braun later, like, and I didn't ask these questions, but like Macedon's on, you know, Emperor Ascent. Is Remission going to be retired? Are they, is that not going to be in the set list anymore? Like you think about that in a couple more albums, it might not make sense to play those songs. You might be you right know? about that. You might be right about that. I don't think, I don't think for the fans, especially when you're going to go see them live, I don't think you should ever retire. I think, I think it's important for you to look at your overall set list and, and then just say, uh, let's try and fit this one. in. we haven't played this one in a little, little bit. Let's put this one. And we haven't played this one in a little bit. We haven't played this one in th- two tours. I've you know? seen you know this though, saying? where it's like, you think the fans are clamoring for the old material, right? I've seen this many times live. And then, uh, a brand will pull out a song from the first record and the fans are like blank, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing. And then they'll play something off the new record that's not a hit or nothing like that and the fans are bouncing and going crazy. And I think obviously bands are seeing what I'm seeing, you know? So there is a point where like Lamb of God might only play Black Label, which I think has reached now, mm-hmm. you know? And they're not going to go back to New American Gospel. There is a point where it's like, hey, you know? I still think it's important for you to revisit it every now and then. I think I'm not saying I'm not you know I I don't think I don't think I never think a band should just hang up a song. I'm sorry. There are certain or an album or an album. I don't think they should just hang See, it up. But and if go, you wrote something when you were 21 years old and you're 40 now, dude, you might think differently. You are totally right about Be that. Like I don't I'm not, I don't relate yeah, to that but song. But you got to understand something. Like that no I'm, more. Here's the thing, yeah. and it's like, and I hate to say this, and I know this is very selfish of me to say this, but it's not about you. You no, know, it's not about us. It's not about it's, no, no. no it's, it's not about the artists. No, 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 I mean. no, no. When you're an artist, it's not about you. It's about the fans. You do what you can to make the fans happy. I'm not saying play I disagree nothing. with that. See, I'm not saying I'm not saying to write a song for the fans. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that. I'm not. To, oh, what would the fans like? And then you write a song, and then you tr- and then you go outside of your comfort level. Well, the fans are going to like what you write. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is is 
you got to think about the fans that love this music that that go to you for these answers and that you've they've gotten some of these answers from the from the songs that you have written. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're just going to hang it up because ah, I'm tired of playing it. Well, bl- look, I'm not I'm not tired of hearing it. Yeah. So if you could do that, play please do that. I disagree. I think that any artist has to believe in what they're doing in that moment and that they can't if they play just old songs that they don't feel anymore i think that's when you see them calling it in on stage i think that they have to be like no i believe in this new record let's just say uh, a band like iron maiden you know no book of souls that's a record i truly believe in we're gonna play seven songs off this and then we'll, we'll throw a couple songs that you know are our staples but no this is what's gonna be passion this is what we want to sell if, if they just do a, a, an old school tour and they don't believe in it and they're just phoning it in, yeah, we'll love every song and yeah, they'll sound great. But that's when I think see, a band won't want to continue. See, I guess I, you're right about that. But I will say this. The last time I saw Iron Maiden Book of Souls tour, this was you and I both went, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was one of the most boring shows. You're an idiot. I'm not an idiot. Because <laughs> you don't have a new record. Okay. I, I thought it was amazing. No, no. I'm going to yeah. tell you. right. See, you thought it was amazing, but I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you why it was boring. When you look into the audience, no one gave a fuck. But the second they break into Trooper, the whole place went bonkers. And that's all I'm saying. This is an argument we have forever on this show. No, no. But for you're, me, dude, you're, I know. To hear the red know. and the black, to hear, I mean, like I said, they didn't play Empire in the Clouds, but I mean, just to, to hope they play that song live on this new tour. I don't know. I don't look up set lists, but the point is. is I'm like, not saying you're wrong. Yeah. But I'm not saying you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. But all I'm saying is, is you can't just play the whole new album because there's a bunch of people. There are so many people that have never seen Maiden live. And then they and go to see Maiden and they're waiting for, they're waiting for all these, uh, these classic, unbelievable tracks and they're not giving it to them. In fairness to an arena band, you might be right to an arena rock band. Dude, you might be okay, right. That's what I'm saying. In fairness to that, I'm talking about the, 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 you know, the Shack band. I'm talking about like the House of Blue band. I'm not talking about the arena rock band. You're, you're pulling in, you know, 50,000 people. Yeah, you might have to focus on the hits a little more. Right. I, I see what you're That's saying what there because at. you are virtually reaching an audience of 30 years that are all coming out for you. But I'm talking about, you know, hey, we got 2,000 people in here. Hey, we got 500 people in here. I'm talking about those bands. I think that they there is a point where they're going to retire albums and songs and all that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So, anyways. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And th- there you go. So, that, that's all I'm saying. It's Because uh, I was just looking at the audience. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, dude, the place was just sitting down. No, you guys left Half early. the time. It broke my heart. No, I left early because there was a piece of shit that I hated sitting behind me. Oh. And I wanted to fucking turn around and, and punch him in his, uh, his skin tags. Yeah, <laughs> he has a collection of them on his throat. So that's why. That's why. Dude, hey, skin tag problems, bro. Dude, you can't oh relate. God. You oh, can't relate. I cannot fucking relate. <laughs> so last thing before we get to the interview. Just uh, take a toenail clipper and just nip them off. I don't think you can do that. Uh, I, don't ha- I don't have skin tags, Deal but with I don't the scars. think you can do that. I, Deal I, with the scars. They're freaking me the fuck out. You're dude. out of your element when you're talking. You can't just cut those things off. I'm just going to. Moving on. Moving uh, on. Get a, then sand them off. I don't sand them. I don't think you can sand skin, bro. Whatever. <laughs> Look, I can't. T- it's like, here's the deal. If you got a few, okay, fine. But dude, I'm talking like it was a garden. <laughs> it's just horrible. All right. We'll, we'll, stop, okay. we'll stop body shaming people. We got one. <laughs> Right. Moving forward. That is technically what that is. But the last story I want to tell before we go to the, to the interview uh, with Ron. We're body shaming people. God, say, oh. say cut your skin tags off. Anyway. Fuck you. Exactly. Don't, exactly. Shut up. I need to put in my Linkin Park pad right now oh, and move please, forward. Oh, God. <laughs> right. Uber, so, not cutting Really? It. <laughs> 
Really? You still have the Papa Coach on your fucking computer? Anyways, last story before we get to the interview. God damn it. Anyways, uh, beautiful. Dude, I think I said anyways like four times right there. Oh, dude, you love There's anyways. a bit in my anyways. You anyways. love anyways. Um, great story, guys. I love metalheads. I love our community. I love what we always do. Papa Coach. <laughs> I'm not going to say what I just said over, but God damn it, bro. <laughs> God damn with the Papa coach. Anyways, um, great story, a video of a teen. He, uh, he got a guitar uh, from his late father. Um, it's on MetalSucks.net. Yeah, so I, his, dad, his dad passed, and what happened was the kid ended up having, uh, it was his 16th birthday. Yes. Now, the, kid, now the, the father passed like along, like probably you know eight or nine months or something before this happened, but his dad wanted to make sure that he left behind one, you know, one gift to his son on his 16th birthday. Yeah. And uh, he ends up going to, was it a, I wouldn't say it was a guitar I don't shop, know. right? It, was, it might have been like a guitar center. I'm not sure about the details. Yeah. The video, it, though, is just him. What kind of, a, was it a Dean guitar? Or like, I, I can't. I don't know. It was the it was the razor. It was like the dime bag. Yeah, one, it definitely I think it was. looked like the dime bag guitar. So I think that is a Dean. Yeah. Um. But uh. Anyways, the, the point of the story is that the kid's up there, man. He looks like all of us when we were sixteen. He has got his Toxic Holocaust shirt on. Just you know, he gets the card from his dad, and then the guitar, and uh, it's just a, a magical video. I think we can all really just feel good about this kid, and then. Everybody put in money and, and kind of to get him guitar lessons. He's going to get to meet Alice Cooper. Just we came together, dude, as a, as a community again, like we always do, despite all the, the negative crap we talk about each other and all this stuff. It's it just goes to show that like there really is like a family out there. It's amazing for anybody that listens to this and just gets it. You know, yeah, see, that's the one yeah. thing. It's like, you know, when you look at uh, you look at you look at the metal community. And yeah, sure. Some of the some of the lyrics are the most brutal. They're the most brutal. So they could definitely be taken out of context. Mm. They've been they've been labeled every single negative connotation that you could think of. But the fans, there is something about the family that goes on within this community. And and you, I don't know. I don't really see. I don't really see that happening in any other genre of music because we're the outcast. It's tight knit family, man. It is. And, and the thing is, it's a small is, but like lovable yeah, one. Yeah. We're the outcast, and since we are the outcasts we kind of just come together and just yeah. like you said, it's tight knit. And because and and we all understand, we all understand, you know, not being able to, you know, be accepted being who we are, yeah. you know, and it's just, and then, you know, and that, that only happens when you're young, you know, like when you're like zero to, you know, 18 and then you graduate high school and then, and then you just start hanging out with nothing but metalheads, you know, and then yes. everyone else is the freak. Yeah, you know, in your world. Yeah, in my world, and yeah. that's what's great is that. Yeah, yeah, our world is kind of con- conducive to how we live, you yeah. know. But like, yeah, if you go to a mutoid man show and you're just there, and everybody's just kind of like, "What's up?" We're all like, we all know, you know, nonconformist, like-minded people, a lot of good things. And this video, guys, I highly recommend. Go to metalsucks.net and watch it. It's kind of all over the place, but just check it out. It was a beautiful, uh, beautiful moment, and uh, one of the best things I think we we can just keep you know, seeing things like that out there. So anyways, interview time, guys. Anyways. 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 I did it again. Anyways. Excellent. Anyways. Anyways. So I got to interview uh, Bron Dollar from Arcadia, obviously drummer from Mastodon as well. Um, Just an all-around awesome interview. So excited to interview this guy. Obviously one of my uh, all-time favorite, by far, octopus arm drummers I've ever known. I love listening to everything he does. So let's check this out, guys, right here. Here's... Bron Dollar from Arcadia and Mastodon. Anyways, it's Peter with the Metal Sucks podcast here. I am here with Bron. 
from Arcadia and, of course, Macedon, but we're here to talk about Arcadia. So uh, tell, okay. us, tell us the origin story, story behind this uh, side project. My story? Yes. I'd like all three. I'd like your story. I'd like Raheem's story and Core story. Okay. Um, well, I don't know those guys' stories. But, uh, <laughs> I didn't think so. My story is, let's see. Uh, well, I, uh, an old friend of mine who I played in band with in the early 90s, Named Corey, he uh, he actually ended up moving from Rochester, same as I did, but a few years after, to Atlanta, and he started a band down here. <clears throat> well, he's he got his old band up and running called Gaylord down here, uh, but they sort of disbanded or became a different band called Zeruda, and so they they've been going steady for almost ten years now, but. Um, in that band, he plays guitar and a little bit of keyboards, and he has this micro Korg that lives in his uh, bedroom with him. And I think he was playing it quite a bit uh, three or four years ago, and approached me and said, "Hey, I got this. I got like three songs, and they're all keyboards, and I don't know what to do with them because they they're not Zeruda songs." And I was just wondering if you want to play some drums to him or you want to hear him or so I said yeah I'd love to hear it It sounds cool I'm always into I like electronic stuff you know so how did um, how did he win that I'm assuming a lot of people would approach you possibly about a side project but how did he get that just perfect timing or I don't know I mean I don't know I I'm kind of reluctant to do any kind of quote unquote super group you know what I mean oh yeah I always feel like um, they're a little contrived and, and they're a little like, they're a little forced and it puts a lot of pressure on it. If there's all these kind of pseudo famous people involved, you know, uh, and then people get this preconceived notion of what it's going to sound like based on who's involved. And I don't know, it just seems like a baited trap to, you know what I mean? And, and, and it, it seldom seems to sort of work in anybody's favor, really, you know? I know. I agree. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I've, I'm weary of side projects in general and I'm not weary of them because of that, because I don't want, but really because I don't have time, you know, uh, Mastodon is kind of just kind of gobbles me up, you know, and I pretty much dedicate, every second that I have to dedicate to anything to Mastodon. And there just really doesn't leave that much time for anything else. And not to mention the fact that there's people who I love and care about that are, are here at, at home or up in Rochester, like my mom and, and, and my dad, and most importantly, my, my wife and my cat and my dog, uh, who I've promised time, you know, when I'm get done doing my thing with Mastodon, which like I said, is, you know, I'm on tour with them constantly. And if I'm not on tour with them with Mastodon, then we're writing or I'm, you know, writing emails to artists trying to figure out t-shirt designs or video ideas, or what are we going to do for the stage show or, or, you know, blah, 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 blah. The list goes on. Uh, so when I do get home, I need to be like a hundred percent dedicated to the people that I've made all these promises to, as far as like, you know, time and hanging out and, you know, when are these people going to get me, you know, uh, when, 
when I'm not busy entertaining strangers and, you know, out there on tour, I need to be present here and not like traveling to go do some side project somewhere. You know, if I didn't have wife and and dog and cat and, you know, uh, I guess it might be different. I might be spreading myself all over the place uh, musically. But uh, when this came up, you know, I've, I really like uh, Corey's, I think Corey's a very unique player, and I know that he's a unique guitar player. He's plays just by uh, just by coincidence for him. He happens to be left-handed, and he so he plays left-handed upside-down strung guitar. You know, it does, didn't change the strings around, so it just creates you know even a power chord for him just sounds different. You know, and I I kind of cl- I clued into that uh, when I was a teenager when I first met him and, and heard his his band Gaylord that I joined at that point in time, you know, they were looking for a drummer and they had a bunch of songs and I just was like, wow, this guy, this is, and they were really into Mr. Bungle, who which was kind of a new band at the time. And, and they were into Naked City and just all this weird music that was, you know, uh, you know, it just was, they were into cool music and they were making cool music and it was real kind of funk oriented and, and just weird and would, would kind of, uh, traips into heavy moments, but it always sounded a little off, you know, just because of the way that he played guitar, I thought. Um, so the opportunity to work with him again, when it presented itself, it was during a break from Mastodon. And I said, you know, I, I can get mildly involved. You know, I, I can't do any shows. Um, I can, you can send me the material. I can listen to it. I can kind of play around with it in the basement at my house and, and uh, the recording studio is like two blocks from my house, Rahim's recording studio. Oh, and so proximity was awesome for me. And, and I really liked when I listened to the three, the three songs that Corey had laid out for me, I was like, oh, man, it really spoke to me. So I, I really felt like it was definitely something that I'd want to be involved in. Now, I wasn't sure how involved I was going to be. I thought maybe it was just going to be like, oh, maybe we'll do five songs and I'll play drums on them and. And then they'll deal with the rest. But as I got as it got more intense, uh, not intense, but as we got further along into the music and started to peel it all back, uh, we started to write together. And then started I started singing on stuff, and then I started singing on a majority of the of the material. And uh, but Corey was singing as well. Rahim sings a song. My wife got in there and sang a song, which was cool. Um, so. Uh, so you the, know, it, but it, it yeah. took like three years for it to really kind of come together. Oh, wow. So the sound and the style, though, <clears throat> Corey really presented that before you entered the project. So you already had the, the that's sort of like a style that the music was going in. You already kind of knew that. So you didn't yeah. really have a hand in that. You just kind of added to it, correct? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, he was he was definitely the guy sort of spearheading it. You know, he had like three songs, like pretty much completed i was like oh yeah i want to play drum, drums so that sounds that sounds right up my alley and, and that's uh, a great move. i have my own alley <laughs> i don't know if you know that about me oh you have um, your own... i assume you do as well yes but uh, <clears throat> everyone should in america should have an alley uh <laughs> i don't care if you a 30-year mortgage get an alley but uh uh yeah so but you know i, I added some riffs here and there i had a few few musical parts and then we we got together on stuff and then i 
I go and sing like melodies over top of uh, of these parts just to try to figure out what could be sung over and, and you know and then uh, we'd write lyrics or he Corey would write the lyrics to whatever vocal melodies I would sort of belt out you know kind of similar to how Mastodon does it you know just a bunch of riffs a bunch of riffs a bunch of riffs and then uh, you see what's able to be sung over and what that vocal vocal melody is going to be and then and then fasten some lyrics to it gotcha so how hard is it to pick a name of a project like arcadia did you guys have like this long list of names or was it just already kind of did core already have it did Corey say hey i already got the name of the band no i i i uh we didn't have a name for the project for a long time didn't know what to call it uh, there was a few different uh, there was there was a few different names that were being kicked around. Um, one of them was uh, "quit your bitchin'," one word. <laughs> um, I can't remember any of the other ones. Uh, "Rat sass," that was another one. Uh, <laughs> those ones, they, those hit the hit the, the cutting room floor. Unfortunately, uh, those were my ideas. But uh, uh, no, I think uh, I, Arcadia just kind of came up. It sent it. it I think I, I think I actually came up with the name Arcadia and brought it to the guys and said, "What do you think about Arcadia?" And, uh, and they thought it was cool, so we went with it. It seemed to fit. It seemed like there was an arcade, '80s arcade uh, sound going on a little Definitely, bit. Definitely, yeah. So it seemed to make a little bit of sense. I don't know. So tied you- into Greek mythology as well and all that good stuff. Cool, man. So um, just in a songwriting process, whether it's for Arcadia or Mastodon, but um, what is the most important element to a song prior to you before you want to release it to an audience? Is there a certain thing that you need to hear before you can be like, yeah, I can get this out there? Uh, I'd say initially there needs to be a spark. You know, there needs to be like a, it all comes down to the taste of the players. You know, if we, uh, if we have an emotional reaction to it, and uh and it probably shouldn't be anger or disgust but more uh joy or elation you know like uh that feeling that you get from from a song that really i guess means something to you you know you get like a or either you get a rush from it or you get a some kind of emotional reaction you know like uh like the hairs on the back of your neck stand up or or you kind of get that uh bubbling up from inside, I guess that would be another thing that I've felt from music before. Um, something that really is evocative and, and I feel like if that's not there, then it's really not worth pursuing for, for me, you know, for me personally or for, or for the other people involved in Macedon or, or in Arcadia or any kind of music that I'm involved in. If we don't have that, if there's no spark there, then it's really like, it just falls flat and I'm not really particularly interested in, playing along you know if it's going to be something i'm going to attach my name to and put out into the world you know there's got to be something there for me now you know if if, i kind of feel like if i felt it then then chances are someone else will feel it too because it was a genuine human emotion that i felt i feel like a lot of people are you know connected in in that way you know are all sort of the same um uh human beings are all sort of the same uh, mixture of pieces, parts, you know, and uh, 
brains and guts and all that good stuff. Um, so there's if you have that human reaction, you know, uh, then then maybe someone else will too. But if I don't have that, then, then I don't know that someone else will. But maybe they will. I'm not sure. No, I, I, <laughs> we do. I'm telling you right now. Like you ever, you ever see that movie Dread? With slow mo was like the drug they were taking. Do you ever see that movie? The it was the remake. I never saw that. Uh, yeah, the the drug of choice was called slow mo. So they would take like a shoot them in the neck, and then life would just be in slow motion. And I, I explain, I, I feel that way with music sometimes where I'll be driving and there'll be chaos all over me. And then like, I remember the first time I heard steam breather, I was like, whoa. And then it, it takes over everything around you and it like time almost stops. But I, it, I feel like it's slow-mo when the song grasps me. Cause a lot of times I think with most people, when you're busy, right. Um, it, it's, it's background noise or something like that. But then when you actually get that moment to stop and then it hits you, that's a, uh, that's definitely, I feel that's kind of where you're getting at with the songs too. Is like, if you actually get to stop and listen and you get that feeling, then you know that's, and uh, that makes total sense coming from you because of the songs you guys have done over the years. I mean, total sense. Cause there's so many that just stop me, you know? So, yeah, that's, you know, that's what, I guess that's what we hope for. But I mean, other, you'll talk to probably hundreds of thousands of people that would listen to the same song and get absolutely nothing from it, you know? So, uh, that's art for you. Yeah, that's art, man. And that, but that's what's great like about art, too, is that like it, it reaches the right audience. And they're probably the, the quietest. They probably don't like talk about it as much because, you know, I don't know. I've always been, in a weird way, as, this might sound weird, but I've always been ashamed to tell people about my art just in case they shit on it. Like if something I love, I don't want to tell people, you know? Like I, don't, I, Same. Want, I want to watch Twin Peaks The Return and not hear a, a word from anybody until it's over. You know, like I just want to. Yeah, I know. Just go everybody, visit everybody's going to want to shit on it. Yeah, I felt this. Yeah, everybody's I, a bunch of assholes these days. <laughs> it's true, man. I remember like when Asterisk of the Evil Dead came out. I'm like, all right, we're going to watch this series, man. I'm going to do it. I brought a friend over and he's like, this is awful. Just killed it for me. It took me like four episodes by myself to get back into it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel you. People are. Uh... I don't know what the what everybody's problem is. They're just uh, so quick to be. The haters are going to hate, as they say. As they say. Now, do you? And ever, there's there's plenty of haters. <laughs> true, very true. Do you ever feel like you're in that situation where you're like kind of ruining someone else's good time? No, man. I'm I'm pretty positive I'm about saying, yeah. just about everything, uh, like art. You know, because I, I know I've been on the other at at the receiving end so many times that. Uh, I really watch it, but I've never been like that either. Like even when I was a kid, I just really accentuate the positives. I feel like um, I don't really have, if I don't like something, I just don't like it. I don't listen to it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to try to tell somebody else that uh, they shouldn't listen to it or they, they shouldn't like it or I don't know. I just say, Hey, that's not for me. Yeah. Not my bag of tea. I, I, it didn't click with me, but, but, but there is also, there's a lot of music out there that's made by people who I trust and, and they might re- release an album or something like that, that I'm not feeling. And, and, uh, I usually blame myself, uh, because, you know, I don't know. I, I know that the people are involved are genuine and I know that they aren't going to make something that's not, that they don't feel like is awesome. So I can imagine them really enjoying their new piece of work. And I just say, Hey, maybe it's me. Maybe I need to, uh, Maybe I need a couple of years or, or maybe I need 
just to be in the right place. That you know, I've I've done that so many times. Revisit, where, yeah. I'm the, I'm like the I, I'll yeah. listen to something. I'll be like, man, I don't I don't know where they're going with this. This is way off base from what I'm used to from them. But I also, also kind of like when bands do that, you know. So yeah, uh, I say you know maybe I I'm not hearing it in the right circumstances or and and I I'll say years later I'll 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 find it and be like oh this play it and all of a sudden it totally clicks i think that ha- happened with me with a big with one of the big business albums where i listened to the whole thing when it first came out and i don't know which one it was i can't remember but it was like three or four albums back and i just didn't get it and and i just was kind of bummed because because uh, i was because i liked so much i liked everything that they'd done up until that point and um, but I decided, you know, I would never go out and write a fucking review. I mean, no. worthless. But I, I reserved my true judgment, I guess. And I said, hey, you know, this one, maybe maybe I'll get the next one. But then a couple of years later, I listened to it again, and, and I was on a, a flight back from Europe or something. I, I don't know, right place, right time. It, 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 uh, it clicked for me, and I was so I was so thrilled. You know, sometimes it'll be like, I'll ha- it'll be like one song, like in the middle of the album, will like catch me and I'll and that's what'll draw me into the record and then from there I'll be able to sink into the whole thing like it'll be like a domino effect uh so I love when that happens you know yeah so I always try to reserve judgment but I'm pretty positive about everybody's work I know I know when somebody's worked hard on something and it's real you know so I'm not gonna say anything negative about it even if I don't even if I don't care for it if it's not something that's for me I'm just uh I don't know. I don't have a blog or anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much time, trust me. It's too much time. <laughs> but, yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, cool uh, art things, uh, Core Adams did do an amazing video for, uh, it's an animation video for Army of Electrons, the second song you guys released off the Arcadia record, which, by the way, comes out June 16th, just in case I didn't say that, like professionals do. Um, do you ever want to pursue a visual art form like animation or filmmaking? Has that ever like piqued your interest? Oh, not enough to actually go do it, but, uh, uh, you know, visual art. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, everybody in my family thought I was going to be an artist when I was a kid. Cause I just drew constantly and, and I was, you know, I could draw and paint and, and that's what I did all the time when I was a kid. And, uh, but, uh, this whole drumming thing sort of took over, but you know, um, I don't know about filmmaking, it's a I like I like writing treatments and stuff for for music videos. I got all sorts of music video treatments, and and a lot of our videos that we come out with um, have been from some of my treatments or some treatments that I'll I'll sort of get an idea, a, a general, an idea for a video and have it all kind of worked out, and then share it with the director, and then he takes it and makes it really great, you know. Um, but it's a lot of work, man. Yeah. And. Uh, I'm not trying to do more work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But man. uh I think like uh visual art, I think that I would I that that I I have a craving to do more visual art, like paint and, and draw and do stuff like that. So maybe I'll have like an art show sometime in the future if I ever get a, a group of paintings together, you know. I, that that I could see for myself, but uh, as far as like doing any kind of filmmaking I, I uh I don't have that desire really to to start doing that at the moment. I, I just want to make music and and make more albums and and continue doing that. That's what I that's what I 
that's what I have really, that's what I've really craved since I was a little kid. Just, I just want to be with my drums, play my drums, play some guitar, uh, play music with my friends, make music, make albums and, and make art that way. Right on, man. So, uh, let me ask you this now that every member of Mastodon does have a cool side project. Um, what's the possibility of you guys doing like a package tour, like Arcadia, Primate, Killer Be Killed, Draft Tongue Orchestra? Like, are you guys just going and supporting those records, and then maybe headlining? Is that something that you guys have ever discussed or now? No, because I really feel like the Mastodon show would suffer greatly from something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that that would be a good idea, personally. No, I understand. <laughs> I really, I feel like. When when Mastodon goes out in headlines, it's like should be all about Mastodon, and uh, <clears throat> it takes just about everything, every bit of energy that I have while I'm on tour because I sleep like shit on a tour bus, and uh, it takes every bit of energy that I have throughout the day, just just to do that hour and a half. You know, I mean, it's like pretty much an hour and a half long drum uh, drum solo, and uh, we don't do that much talking in between songs. So it's, we kind of Ramones it all the way through. So it is packed solid with music and all the singing I'm doing lately. When I get done playing, I'm, I'm burnt. Like I'm, I'm ready for bed and, and trying to, uh, recuperate from that. So I'll say no, (laughs) you know, I don't know. Uh, and, and, you know, I just wouldn't want to risk, you know, expending so much energy and then, and then getting up there and, and, you know, the people that were there, I'm guessing, you know, since we've been around for so long, you know, they're, they really want to see Mastodon, you know, and they're, they're excited about some of our side projects. Sure. You know, and I think that some of that is genuine. And then, and there's, we have some super fans that are just totally awesome and they'll just, uh, they'll just go out and get anything that any of us put out, which is amazing, you know, those are amazing people and shit, man, they keep the lights on at my house. So I'll, I'll do anything for them. But what I won't do is sacrifice an amazing Mastodon concert, you know? So I really just want to, if we're on tour with Mastodon, it needs to be all about Mastodon and Mastodon only because, uh, that's where my true heart lies. I think that's the answer we all want to hear, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, ask okay. the question, but <laughs> that's what I, I'm, a, I'm a fan, man. And I'm like, that's what I want to hear. I don't want to do that. But, you know, just uh, I did uh, two more questions and, and I'll definitely let you go. But I did recently get to talk to Bill. And um, out of all the groups that are kind of like in the in the forefront of like the rock metal scene, uh, like you said, all you guys sing, all you guys have specific voices. So I did talk to Bill and I asked him if Mastodon would be open to doing like a four solo album thing, like Kiss did in like in 78 or the Melvins did. Um, mm. And he said his would sound like a punk rock prog record is what he said. Would you be interested? Oh, really? In, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but would you be interested in doing that? And what would your record sound like? Uh, hmm. I guess I'd be interested in doing that, you know. I think my record would be pretty pretty heavy. Uh, but strange, I don't know. <laughs> I think it'd probably be it would probably be very similar to maybe Arcadia, you know. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> uh it's somewhere in those along those lines, you know. It'd be a lot of synth cuz I I really like all that synth stuff, but 
Um, you know, if we're are we having to play all the instruments on this thing? Because I'm not the greatest guitar player, but I could make it work. Uh, I was gonna say yeah to that. <laughs> so, so they got to play drums and they got to figure out the rest of the stuff. But honestly, okay. you guys can play the instruments for each other, but one person's gonna lead. The uh uh-uh, no, I, no, I think it should be. I think it should be that we have to. We have to do it. So mine would be some, a little bit atmospheric at times, you know, because I'd be I'd be relying heavily on like uh, pedals, guitar pedals, and things to do the work for me. <laughs> gotcha. and, uh, you know, so. Uh, but the drumming would be really cool. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So <laughs> Get tribal, bro. That's awesome, man. So the last question I got for you, Brian, before we let you go. Guys, let me just say one more thing. Arcadia's new record, June 16th, Relapse Records, self-titled. Uh, go check out the video from Army Electrons um, on Metalsucks.net. Just type in Arcadia, R-A-C-A-D-E-A in the search, and it gives you that video there. But the last question I want to ask you, I am out here in Las Vegas. That's where I live and reside. So uh, Mastodon will be playing the Psycho Vegas Festival in August this year, and King Diamond yeah, is man. headlining. So I know. You guys are playing right Yeah, so if the king asked you to drum on stage with him and you get to pick just one song, which track would you ask him to play with him? Hmm. Well, let's see. That's a good question. Now, in, in, such, in this format, I guess he is playing Abigail in its entirety, but I want... I'm and then he's playing some, some, and then he's playing some other, other stuff? Yes, yes. Well, I mean, I, I love Abigail. Yeah. But I, I'm giving you the whole gamut. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite... Uh, definitely one of my favorite albums of all time. The Abigail, them, I think Abigail and them, you know, together. <clears throat> I guess I would, it would ha- I would have to pick. Uh, I mean, any drummer is going to have to pick um, "Welcome Home" just because that drum, that opening drum fill is something I worked on tirelessly for I don't know how many years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know that that basically kicks off them it's like one of the it's it's a tough one to to uh to master you know i don't even think i have it completely mastered but i i think if i i'd, I'd have to work on it a little bit but I, i'd go for that one for sure welcome home welcome home awesome man so yeah best and that was mickey d back then right that was doing the drums oh yeah mickey d one of my favorites of all time insane yeah he's the best totally insane yeah Um, i used to uh practice you know in my mirror at at home i i played all the instruments you know when it came to the guitar (laughs) solos i would jump on guitar you know uh all the singing and then for some of the sometimes i would i would sing and play drums that's where i started singing and playing was in my mirror at home uh, to King Diamond, just blasting King Diamond them, and uh, singing, but also nailing all the fills, of course. You know. Yeah. So. Now let me ask you. I I know that was supposed to be the last question, but when you're drumming and singing, is there a certain way you got to breathe to keep like air going through your body? It just seems so difficult for me. You just have. It's just you do like the classic uh, in and out. <laughs> like the inward singing like on tenacious d like that no no no, no. <laughs> just breathe in and then and then out and then back in and then back out you know just your standard involuntary breathing oh i got you, you. Cool, uh man. no uh you know 
you need to reach obviously i'm doing a lot of like big high notes which is Mm-hmm. ridiculous why am i doing that uh <laughs> yeah i guess it's just to create I, I didn't have enough anxiety in my life uh and i didn't have enough anxiety about going on stage you know and i kind of had the drum thing all sort of figured out and i was all good and then i was like you know what let's make my life a little bit more difficult up there let's <laughs> let's uh let's do some singing since we're on this exercise machine might as well introduce some singing and let's do let's do some super high notes and big choruses yeah <laughs> so uh that's always a good idea right well i don't uh, know but the songs you know the songs they give you the thanks, goosebump man. shit on occasion you know what i'm saying thank you yeah uh, i can't so listen I, to uh, ember city without just like oof you know i'm just saying yeah yeah so. yeah ember city that's a good one um that one yeah that's a good one thank you you're welcome uh yeah so so i don't know i i i don't know i just you know, I try to do whatever I can to pitch in and help make make Mastodon albums and make them good and 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 uh, you know, I do. I just try my best. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and then out there on stage, uh, when I'm playing and singing, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But it's been better lately. I think uh, we've been a lot better lately. Uh, we, of course, this last tour, like first day missoula montana i woke up i had a raging sore throat and head cold i was like sweet <laughs> i went to sing i went to like try to sing in my hotel room and it was like ah like i couldn't even talk i was like awesome first day tour cool oh, uh, i can't imagine so that, that would be oh yeah. it sucks yeah totally sucks you're just like and i i was feeling so good too i was leading up to it i was thinking oh man this is gonna be great i'm singing good everything's fine boom and I gave the whole bus got it, and then it mutated around. In two weeks, I got a whole other version of it. Oh, is this ridiculous? Oh, the bug. But, yeah. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, so that's the only thing. I need to be in like perfect, 100% perfect health to sing those songs the, the way that they should be sung. So it takes like, even if I'm being good, like I'm, you know, I haven't been partying or doing anything. I've been being a good boy, going to bed early. So next and, uh, time in the studio, catch a flu, go record, and you'll be gold. <laughs> yeah. I'll, so every every song I sing, I'll just be like, uh, uh, and then, uh, hey, there you go. No, I'm just kidding. So awesome. Uh, Brian, I got to tell you, man, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Everybody go check out this Arcadia record. Like I said, it comes out June 19th. Everybody fly out to Psycho Las Vegas and just look at the lineup. We got King Diamond. We got Mastodon. We got Brian Jonestown Massacre. And like so many bands. I mean, I can't even read it. Neurosis. Neurosis is there. Oh, that's right. Swans. Yep. And uh, I mean, Sleep, I think. Sleep is there. Empire, maybe. I don't know. Every band. It seems like I looked at it. It was just about every cool band in the whole world. In the whole world. And Pentagram without Bobby Liebling. Come on. We got it all here. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, guys. So, uh, otherwise, make sure. And we got, and we have our our dirty closer out there in the window as a hard rock. Is Is that how it works? You guys do old school like that? You put the no, we have we have like a display out there at the Hard Rock. Oh, you guys do! I know, I saw that. Yes, that's excellent. it. Makes me feel a little bit like a dead person. Um, I think you you took Pearl Jam's spot. I live out here. We did. Yeah, it was either Pearl Jam uh-uh. or 
I think it was either Pearl Jam or Prince. Now, I don't think, I don't know. Don't say that. (laughs) I don't want to say it. That's exactly where his stuff was. I think Prince, they moved them somewhere, though. I think he's still. They probably moved them to a better spot. Yeah. Over near the toilets. Yeah, you guys are around the bend. And then, but that used to be Pearl Jam. It was Bad Religion, and then it went to Pearl Jam. See, I'm I'm a a Vegas lifer. And then it went to Mastodon. So, I mean, all good company. Good Good company. All good company for sure. So, anyways, so the new uh, Mastodon Emperor Sand is out now. I'm sure you all have it, but definitely check that out. We're going to play two songs from Arcadia for you guys because that's what we want you guys to jump on, which does come out June 16th. And again, Psycho Vegas is the tour I'm pushing to see you guys out here with uh, Mastodon and King Diamond. Come see Braun play uh, Welcome Home. Um, <laughs> crosses, <laughs> fingers <Yeah>. crossed. <laughs> so, anyways, Braun, thanks again, man, for com- uh, calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Thanks, man.
that man has created out of his own image. The Metal Sucks Podcast.
so those are two tracks off the Arcadia record, guys. Comes out this Friday, June 16th. Uh, the first song was called Magnificent Facade, and the second one, Army of Electrons, which you should go check out the video we did talk about in the interview. I'm a little disappointed that you didn't bring up gentrification with Braun. <laughs> we should have did it. You we talked brought, about alleys. You should have yeah. brought, brought up what we did to the Native Americans, but you didn't. You mm. didn't even go that route. Nah. You didn't even go that route. My mind doesn't go that route. You kept it real basic and simple. No, we kept it. We no, were I'm cool, kidding. bro. We are cool. Don't ruin Twin Peaks The Return. Don't ruin it for me. Let me watch the whole show. Anyways, I'm sorry, guys. Anyways, that's going to do it. I said anyways too many times. You I need to stop this so shit. so much. God. And, uh, whew, almost said it again. That ends the Metal Sucks uh, podcast this week. Our good friends out there, we will get to you guys next week. we got a little death metal action going on next week. Oh, You're wow. going to love shoulder, it. Your shoulders are bouncing. I did. I You're did a little dance so for you. so ecstatic. Uh, until then, my friends, we will talk to you guys soon. See you guys next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. <laughs>